Good afternoon. Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Oh, boy, Uncle Buck. I said Uncle Will last week. Yeah. You... And when I when I was editing it, I felt pretty embarrassed that I left it <laughs> in. But <laughs> got to make sure Uncle Buck gets in yeah, there this uh, time. Yeah, Uncle Buck. I like how you added the Staten Island K at the end. Of course. Uncle Buck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. we came in hot though. You sounded urgent. I was like, I had, I felt like we were like the the evening news or something. We're basically a business now. I don't know if many people know this. (laughs) Ah, yeah, we're in the business of talking that death metal talk every week, man, and a little bit of fishing talk. Not so much now though, because that's right, Justin's not here again. Where is he? What's what's the deal? I don't know. He will be on. I don't even think next episode, but I think the following one he'll be. I don't know. We'll figure it out. He's doing all right. He's alive. Your pit bull is here. Can she? She gonna make? That's yeah. So that's our that's our our, our perma guest tonight. Yep. Is your your dog? That's right. Yeah. So shout out. Uh, how was your How was your dog's weekend? My dog's weekend, not bad. It was was it raining this weekend? I forget. Oh, you know what? Um, I did something really weird. Uh, it was Halloween this weekend. True. Um, and for some reason, I had an allergy attack. Bad one. Something hit me. <laughs> you you allergic to ghosts? What happened there? I I don't know. I just I I was sneezing violently. You know, like to violently vomit. Well, I was oh. to violently sneeze hmm. to the point where I actually bruised my larynx. I'm picturing, sneezing. Picturing Maddie Way like a Jew. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what's happening. It's great to me right now. Yeah, but well, it's uh, not great for you. No, I, thought, I thought the joke was great. It's in a lot. Of, I, I'm in a lot of pain, but that's all right because I'm having a good time. I guess. It's your fucking throat. Who needs it? It's death metal. <laughs> I need it. Yeah. I need my throat. I'm a death metal singer. I'm still a death metal singer, Tom. Yeah, I know, I know. Jesus, people forget out here how quick they forget, man. I'm going to go get that surgery that lets me be a death metal surgery. I mean, a death metal vocalist. Excuse Whoa. me. Uh, yeah, I got to get, get the that. surgery that allows me to be a death metal surgeon. Because, yeah, the, yeah, the brain, yeah, it's like brain surgery and you wake up well-educated and with a good career. My brain is moving even faster than my throat at this moment. It's all the hiccups. <laughs> That's what you got. That's that's the that's a good way to be a death metal vocalist. Your brain has it's like you're calculating the lyrics in your head, like the term like the Terminator vision to calculate digits. You know, like right. as you're doing the vocals. That's how you remember the the lyrics. And then no, nobody in the audience even knows because you're super guttural. Yeah, and it's like I always thought that I heard in the audience a few times with some of my favorite bands, like "Give Me Your Clothes." <laughs> a few times. You know? I might have said that. I might have said that too. But to uh, uh, it, it would have had to be like only only every once in a while do I play a show where there's somebody in the audience that like we could actually trade clothes. I'm a pretty big guy, right? I'm a big guy. It happens, you know. But, I hear you, dude. Uh, uh, How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend, my Halloween weekend. Well, just for the listeners, in case they may have missed it, they can go back. We had our Halloween triple feature. Yeah. Um, shout out to Steve Murray, guitarist of Flesh Grind. Uh, shout out to Leon Del Muerte and shout out to Adam Rotella, all uh, par- celebrity guests participating in our Halloween triple feature. We we did three, uh, I want to say three longer than longer than usual, at least average length, and then two of them were, were longer than usual. We, the I bonus think we went, was long. We usually yeah. do like forty five minute bonuses. No, we went. Me and Adam just went in. Yeah. Like that was a conversation Adam and I would normally have. We just stretched it out for two hours. No edits. So, not yeah. one. Yeah, right. It was not. It was nice for you too. You just do a little background music in and out. Yeah, I'm good to go. Yeah, but uh, that that was cool. Enjoy that. Go back and listen to the Halloween weekend. People can listen to that. People can check that out. Um, did a little after birth rehearsal. Little spooky Halloween after after birth rehearsal at Haunted Dare Studios. You know, for the weekend, it was it was nice, man. It was a good deal over there. And um, 
Uh, just in time. Um, well, maybe like three days late for Halloween, but uh, Exsanguinated. Brand new Long Island death metal band that I'm providing vocals for. Two song uh, release available now. Exsanguinated 666 is the band camp for legal reasons. My, my lawyer's not here. Um, but uh, yeah, millions of tortured souls. People can go check out this two song EP that was uh, dropped. Members of Stabbed Long Island death metal in the All building. Right. It's got to be heavy, then. It's got to it, be. It's um, it's a crafty collaboration. Um, yeah, for for the for the uh, the winter Halloween season here. Um, just want to remind people they could check that out, man. Yeah. So, like, like I said before, Tom, I'm not dead. All right, I need a throat still. All right, still in the game. Ow, getting a little lonely out here. These tour announcements. Using these fishermen's friends. Yeah. All Extra right. strong. Continue. Yeah, fisher. You, you talk about the fish. Let me see those fisherman friends. It's you ever seen me, these before? These are, like, them, I've heard of them. It's making me lonely for Justin. Menthol cough suppressant lozenges. Wow, these are hardcore, man. Yeah, you're not supposed to friend. take like more than five of those a day, I think, or else you'd turn into a fucking fish. Yeah, it's probably yeah. It's probably like some salty old guy out there that pops these like tums, man. Jesus. Yeah, that'll oh. be me soon enough. Oh boy, shout out to Justin. We're getting old. We're getting old, man. But. A young band, a young man on the come up. Our brethren out there on the West Coast also make death metal as much as we like to talk. Long Island, East Coast, haha, <laughs> Staten Island. No, no, it doesn't always happen out here. Sometimes we've got to go outside of our, um, our comfort zone. Our brethren on the West Coast, the band Succumb from the Bay Area. We're going to talk to guitarist Derek Webster today about all things guitar-related and Succumb-related. I'm going to get him on the phone. Yeah, holler at him, all right, but... Gas up the, the DeLorean first. We got it. There's a time gap thing. I- Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, uh, trying it again after a technical difficulty on my end. My apologies to guitarist Derek Webster of the California-based band Succumb. How are you, Derek? Good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm great, man. Uh, I'm feeling good now that I got everything working the way it's supposed to be, and we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, I, you know, luckily uh, it wasn't too um, far off in the interview, but... Uh, I did ask you, are you, um, you guys are from the Bay Area of California. That's accurate, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we, uh, the, me, Kirk, and Harry, we all live in uh, Oakland. And, um, and, I mean, sorry, we live in San Francisco and Sherry lives in Oakland. And uh, I'm originally from uh, San Jose. Okay, and you would explain a little bit that San Jose is maybe more like the suburban area and San Francisco is like the, the city. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like uh, you know, San Jose likes to pretend like it's kind of a city, but it's not. I mean, <laughs> but you know, it's definitely like a suburb. Uh, you know, I think that there's kind of just like a funny little thing about you know San Jose. It's like you know our uh, you know when people think of you know San Francisco, they think of like you know Hendrix and Joplin and all kinds of like you know countercultural artsy stuff. But you know. San Jose, like our, our claim to fame is like, 
you know, Apple and Smash Mouth. You know? <laughs> so let's, you not, know? let's not bring it to Smash Mouth, man. Some people got jokes with me, man, especially if I get a nice haircut. But, <laughs> <clears throat> but, but um, uh, all right, so, so going back, um, growing up, my my you know my go-to question are you from a musical family are there musicians in your family that predate you or anyone that steers you towards uh heavy metal and hard rock yeah man uh i mean my dad is like he plays harmonica and he's like a total like blues guy and like he raised me like around you know steve ray bond hendrix and you know stuff like that and so i was always just like you know really into just like guitar hero type music when I was a kid growing up. And uh, like on my mom's side, uh, you know, like she, she didn't play any instruments, but she like, you know, she's from Seattle and like, you know, growing up during like the whole grunge era, she had like a lot of like hometown pride and you know, bands like Soundgarden and Nelson Chain. So that was getting played like around the house too. And my older brother, uh, he's like five years older than me and he kind of, uh, he like listened to you know, like whatever was popular. But um, you know, I picked up some things from him, like you know, Metallica, Rage Against the Machine. Um, but I think that like the thing that kind of sort of steered my older brother and I to kind of start playing music, or kind of like got the ball rolling for us playing music, is um, our cousins. Like my cousins, uh, they live in uh, Rhode Island. And uh, we would like visit them in the summers. And um, I remember like when I was like nine years old, like, uh, you know, they, they were in high school and, you know, it was the 90s. So, of course, they were playing in a ska band as you did in the 90s. And, uh, <laughs> and um, I remember he had like the Rage Against the Machine tab book and um and like also like a metallica like bass tab book and um i remember just like he would you know play for me like you know the riff of like anesthesia pulling teeth and stuff like that and um that kind of like really sort of like gauged my like started like piqued my interest in music because i think that like um like my brother he played stuff like like smashing pumpkins and stuff for me and i liked you know, the darker sounding tracks, like, you know, Bull with Butterfly Wings and Zero and stuff like that. But, like, the first time I heard Metallica when I was, like, 9 or 10, that was, like, the first band that, like, you know, checked all the boxes for me and made me go, like, oh, shit, this is, like, this is my music, is this metal shit, you know? And so that's kind of, like, what steered me in that direction. Okay. is that, uh, that, that's, that's interesting, man, because I had... Uh, you know, I was going to get into it a little bit later in the interview, maybe, but you brought up that the area you guys are based out of is kind of more known for counterculture. Um, yeah. You know, maybe quote unquote hippie music. Uh, some people might say things like that. And, and then you, you talk about uh, growing up, having an appreciation of the grunge type of bands. And you, you just mentioned Smashing Pumpkins. Um, yeah. Well, I, because when I listen to Succumb, particularly the new album, XXI, um, it, it's very, it's, it's obviously very riff driven. It seems like the riffs, it goes from one riff to the next and it interconnects you guys, you, you know, there's, I, I don't want to, um, waste too many words trying to describe it because people just have to hear it. There's a very tight, um, synchronicity between you and the other musicians and, uh, the riffs seem very well thought out and they and it's, it's catchy in a way, but I don't want people to get the impression that it's like simple rock based music by saying catchy, but it sticks in your head. 
Um, yeah. Do you, do you credit any of that maybe to uh, like like those types of more hard rock and counterculture rock influences as opposed to metal in some way? Um, yes and no. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because I think that like what made me want to do something that's a little more catchy um, is it just kind of like comes naturally. Um, I think that like, you know, I remember, you know, Brutal Truth is a big influence for me, right? And mm. uh, I remember like reading this, like an interview with Dan Lilker and he was talking about when they were writing, you know, Extreme Conditions that like, he wanted it to just be like the, the the main goal was above all else was to be catchy and i think that that's you know something that like i can't try to do is you know to try to be as like you know as arcane and esoteric as we get with the wrist and everything we still kind of want to have something for people to latch on to as well and you know, uh, now, you know, not the brown notes here, but like fucking, you know, artificial brain is also kind of a big proponent of that because, you know, as technical as you guys are, it's almost like those songs still stick in your head. And I, I, I would be lying if, you know, Labyrinth Constellation wasn't a huge influence on what we do. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, um, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I not that I uh, uh, had anything to do with the writing there, and I would never take anything away from those guys musically. Um, but you know, I would add, I'm, I'm no longer with them. I don't know if you realize that. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's I, I've heard about that, but you oh, know, okay. I'm sure that whatever else you guys got going on, that you guys got going on in the future is going to be tight. You know, I heard about Ricky Aura. You know, I love the last. Oh yeah, the yeah. Last, yeah. Yeah. No, not not not, not the last not, album. Not not to be B-roll promo for my other bands, uh, real quick. Um, it's not that type of segue. No, I just say that to clarify. Um, <clears throat> you know, just so people understand uh, exactly what what goes on and uh, what the situation is. Yeah, I'm no longer with the band, but I'll, I'll never take anything away from um, uh, those guys musically. And I certainly will always have a space in my heart for people who get something out of those albums um, that I'm on. Uh, so that's that's really great to hear, man. Yeah, you know, I just, I, I, yeah, I didn't mean to uh, throw that in there like that, but I kind of just want want to clarify sometimes, especially now that it's kind of fairly raw news, um, oh. as as we adjust. But yeah, you know, I I have no harsh um, uh, uh, impressions to make out there, man, on the podcast or anything. Oh yeah, no worries, man. But you know, going back to like you know what you're saying, like the hard rock kind of thing, I think that just like, I think that you know there's also kind of like an element to you know what we do i mean at least for me is like you know growing in the bay you know we're kind of like intensely proud of like the bay area thrash thing you know and that's you know obviously very catchy music so there's a little a little bit of like an element of that in terms of like not so much like like what like the sonic picture they were painting but like maybe just like the song structures you know absolutely man and Here's another question I kind of had off of that topic. I mean, I, I know we're kind of jumping ahead here. I do want to get more into your early experiences with music and with guitar. But while we're on this topic, um, I know your singer, uh, if I got it right, Sherry, she yeah. she was, uh, prior to being in um, uh, Succumb, she was in a band, Pig DNA? That's correct. And that's more of a band that I guess people would describe as like kind of noise rock that uh, from, from that region? Yeah, they were like definitely like a super like noisy punk band that was inspired by kind of like the Japanese style of that kind of thing. Oh, okay, great. The whole reason I'm setting that up is because I wanted to know with that 
kind of uh, with is there an element of crossover from that scene, um, you know, regionally and with with succumb with some of the fans you guys bring in? And is that in a way because I've heard you speak before about being influenced by grindcore? You just mentioned brutal truth, and also mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about Australian. Um, black metal and Canadian black metal, so what some people might consider war metal or war, war metal adjacent music, is is what you guys doing a crossover of punk and metal in maybe a, a, a kind of new generation way, similar to how those old school black metal bands were doing that too. You know, man, like you could say that, but it's almost kind of like it's not even uh, like a conscious decision, you know, it's just, and I, I kind of feel like that might have been like the case with some of those thrash bands. It's kind of like, wasn't necessarily a conscious decision because like, you know, like I think that, you know, it's just kind of like one of those situations where like, you know, when we, when we write music, like kind of like whatever happens, happens. And, um, uh, I think that like for, I know that like Sherry comes from like the punk scene, uh, with pig DNA, but you know, I think that like, you know, ever since I was a teenager, uh, you know, my roots have always been like firmly in like the metal scene, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that just like, you know, us kind of crossing paths and maybe have like has created like some kind of sound that people think is like kind of out of left field, but um, you know, if that's something that people think is cool, then you know, I'm not going to complain about that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, <clears throat> I hear you. Excuse me, I hear you, and I, I think sometimes too, it's kind of like we wade into, um, I, 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 I jokingly say, you know, quote unquote, music journalism when we try to dissect these things too much because they occur naturally, they occur, yeah. they occur organically. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. So, so, so there's that. So, all right, so uh, we can come back to that in in a few minutes because we kind of skipped ahead a little bit. Uh, tell me about is, well is is guitar your first instrument? Uh, yeah, it, it is, and you know it's kind of funny. Like I remember the the first instrument that like I, you know, kind of expressed interest in playing, like was drums. But um, it was funny. My mom was like, I don't want to listen to you like learn drums in the house, and we already have guitars around the house, so why don't you just try guitar? And I just kind of like, was like, sure. And I just, uh, you know, just kind of took to that. And um, yeah, I started playing guitar when I was around like 13. Um, And I never took lessons just because uh, I just, you know, when you're like 13, you're like, you're like, fuck scales, just want to like learn Slayer riffs. And that's like all you really get to care about. (laughs) And, like, now it's just, like, too late for that because I'm just, like, I've just been, like, self-taught, like, this whole time. So, yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Everyone's got their own story. And um, maybe that is part of the reason for uh, your kind of original songwriting style. Now, unfortunately, this is one of the episodes where um, uh, my co-host Tom couldn't be here. He's a guitarist. I'm not. But could you speak to your style of composition and songwriting a little bit? Because it's it, that's one of the first things that stood out to me when I checked out Succumb, particularly the new album where the riffs are a little bit more um, I, we'll just say precise, I guess like precise as opposed to atmospheric, you know, if that makes sense. Um, maybe maybe just talk a little bit about your approach to songwriting and stacking those riffs together. Is it a tedious process with a lot of rough drafts and stuff? It's a lot of rough drafts, bro. <laughs> it's, 
Oh man, it's uh, yeah. My, I I think that like especially like with like the current like generation of death metal guitarists, like you have uh, guys who um, you know write, uh, you know, who just like write whole songs like on Guitar Pro, just like present to like the rest of the band, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like not really like my style. I think that just like what I do is it just like write a shitload of riffs, catalog them, and then sort of think like, okay, well, this could possibly go with this, and this could possibly go with that. And it's kind of like, you know, the, <laughs> like the songwriting equivalent of like taking a dinner plate, throwing it against the wall, trying to put it back together again. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just um, a very tedious process, but, you know, I think it's just kind of, I just like prefer to work that way, um, even though like it can be like, mentally draining but i just like prefer to just kind of like try to just find like as many different avenues through like the like the that kind of like repetition because i feel like a lot of the times you know people talk about like you know you just being inspired and something just kind of comes out of nowhere i think that like the inspiration kind of comes from just like putting in the work and uh just kind of like doing the reps and then eventually like something good will come out of that Oh, okay, fair enough. And and did you have a band or a project before uh, Succumb? Or before, I should say, you guys were called Cloak in the beginning, but before that, did you have a, uh, any bands or projects to speak of? Well, uh, not really. I think that, like, I, you know, I've been playing music, uh, you know, just, like, my whole life. But I feel like I've been kind of just, like, most of the time I, I just sort of did, like, um projects that were just kind of like little like practice based kind of project you know how it is man just like little practice for us like never really make it uh you know out of, to see the light of day and um and like a lot of times like it would just be like issues of just like creative differences or just like having trouble rounding out a lineup you know mm-hmm. like and so uh i just was just kind of like doing that kind of like limbo for like i don't know man like 10 years before like i eventually met like the succumb people and like we, i was like i was like oh we got a full lineup okay fucking fine let's, <laughs> let's get this going you know hey yeah good for you man it's it's something i've said uh, many times um to, to people uh who are go- who i know who are going through it and who are down and out um because uh, they can't get a band going or something like that man it's you know i've been doing this for like 25 years i've gone through many what you might want to call dry spells where your bands aren't playing shows or you're trying to get something going and you just can't find the drummer or the guitarist or something like that. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to patience and tenacity and waiting it out until, until the right thing happens, man. You know, so that's totally true, man. And like, I think like it, it really does just like come down to just like, you know, if you love it, then it doesn't really feel like it's a long time. It just kind of feels like you're just, you're just going for it. And that's, you know, the thing with me is like I just I fucking love this shit, so it doesn't really matter how long it takes. Like I'm just like willing to just to just do it as much as possible. You know, the closest thing that like we that I had to do that had to like having a real band happen was like um, <laughs> when I was in college. Um, God, I can't. This is like so fucking silly. Like I was like remember this now. Like me and my roommate, we uh, were just like two like scrappy 20, 20 year olds, and we would just like jam regurgitate covers in our apartment and like not even have a practice space and like 
I can't believe that like our neighbors were cool with that. But <laughs> like um, we like almost played a show once, but like it didn't happen. And it was gonna be like some like house party. And I just thought, like, man, I wish that we could have like busted out those regurgitate covers at the house party. But you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm still I'm still stuck on the regurgitate covers. That's awesome, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, let me. I got to bust it out. Random question, not tr- not trying to flex, but did you happen to cover Cyst Eater off their split with Dead? No, the uh, we covered uh, Volva fermentation because yeah, we were like. Uh, we were big on the Hatefield Vengeance EP, you know. That's I still like one of like my favorite grind albums of or releases like of all time. But like we were just like big on the Hatefield Vengeance EP, dude. No, fair enough. I only asked because uh, an old band, uh, my old band Biolich, was very close to covering that uh, once. But we you know we never worked out the whole thing. I just I had to get uh-huh. it. Yeah, all good. But but yeah, reg- uh, uh, history of regurgitate covers, man. That's good to have that in common. That's pretty sick. Um, yeah, man. <clears throat> now, m- moving on, I got to ask you this because that's you know so succumb. It's fairly, uh, you, it's fairly accurate to say that that's your first experience in a quote unquote real band, a band where everyone's putting in a lot of work and you're trying to make it happen, right? Yeah. So you 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 put out, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, a demo with Cloak. Then you changed the the name to Succumb and put out the self titled album, right? That's correct. Um, between that time and recording the self-titled album and then between recording XXI, is it fair to say that you guys got out and played live a lot more, like, like after the first album, but before the second one? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, uh, like, once we put that out, I think that, like, you know, opportunities, you know, started to present itself more, um, you know, so far, like, my favorite thing that we've done was like a two week um, West Coast tour with the Piron Boys, and that was just like so much fucking fun. Um, yeah, yeah. We we had Steve uh, from Piron on um, a few months ago now, man. But uh, yeah, shout shout to them. And well, the whole reason I'm setting that up is because I wanted to know if you would say that playing live so much and and, and so much more than previously had influenced the writing of the second album. Because the because the new album XXI, it sounds a lot more in your face, a lot more aggressive, and a lot more like something maybe written for the live element. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, man. I think that like uh, you know, I, I did listen to that you know to that to that Stephen episode too. I um, mean, something that he kind of, like, talks about is just, like, on, you know, abscess time is kind of, like, using, like, your, you know, like, musical toolbox, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, like, that's sort of something that I try to, like, employ more um, on XXI. Because I think that, like, everything that we do is, like, definitely centered around, like, a live element. Because our, cause our songwriting process is very focused around just like sweating it out in the practice space instead of just like you know sending each other files of like what we think the song should sound like mm-hmm. um and so there's so like that live element's like always kind of there and i think that like you know what we wanted to do with this one is you know like on the first album like it was very like like instrumentally speaking there's like a lot of like portal impetuous ritual kind of influence there but I think that, like, on this one, uh, I kind of sort of get back to, 
you know, my, my roots a little bit more. Uh, I kind of like try to like up the grindcore element yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I kind of want to like, uh, you know, incorporate a little more like brutal death metal elements into like what we do sonically uh, because that's definitely like, you know, you know, coming up in like the early to mid 2000s at the Bay Area, you know, like Unique Leader was king. So that's kind of like sort of it's it, that like that's still like in my fucking DNA, man. That like, all those Unique Leader albums, and so like I feel like I kind of like let that sort of influence flow a little more freely on this one. Okay, yeah, because you mentioned Brutal Truth and Regurgitate and and Unique Leader. It, I, that's what I mean is, you know, not not to dismiss the first album or imply that that's not as good live. It's just a different atmosphere, and this one's a little bit more aggressive. And I've heard you... By the way, I, I forgot, I neglected to um, uh, acknowledge uh, Dreams of Consciousness podcasts. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, Adrian, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's uh, he's a guy from... I, I don't know if he's based out of New York here, but he, he interviewed me um, several years ago uh, right here in New York, um, in person, he's you know uh, always a su- uh, supportive person, man. So I got to acknowledge that I listened to your interview with Dreams of Consciousness podcast recently. So I'm kind of working off some research with that. Um, and and I you know what we're talking about now with the new album. I know that you you had mentioned like kind of going for uh, a little bit more of a um, like the first album had kind of a creepy like you mentioned portal type atmosphere. This new album, there's some more grindcore elements, things like that. Uh, how how early on were you playing material for the second album prior to recording it live? Like, in other words, did you try out this material live before you went in the studio? Um, you know, honestly, no. The, the only song that we ever uh, when we did our when we did our tour with Piron, uh, we had Soma or like a rough draft of Soma written, and we would play that live. Um, but that was like a very like rough draft and um, and then you know after we finished that tour uh, we just kind of like went into full like writing mode and like we only played um, one show between uh, starting the writing process and recording it and that was um, when and that was like in the summer of 2019 when uh, the chasm played uh, in the Bay Area, and they're wow. like one of my fucking bands. So, of course, I was like fanboying out, and me like hit up the fucking promoters, like, "Hey, uh, you want to put us on that show?" And so, uh, besides that, like, we only we really didn't really, you know, put it through like the live tests. You know, the these songs we just kind of uh, were just like in our own little fucking dungeon, and then just recorded mm. it. You know. Okay, man. Well, I just I wanted to ask about that because the second album, the, the new album XXI, it strikes me, um, like I said, not to beat it to death, but just a, a more in your face kind of like, I guess live from the mosh pit uh, perspective album, maybe. Yeah, um, you know, and the the chasm that's interesting because it's not not necessarily that you guys sound like them stylistically, but another band that has an interesting approach to songwriting and how they put things together. I think. Oh yeah, totally. I mean. Yeah, I, I you know I wouldn't say that like we really share too much in common with them, but I just have they're like one of those bands that I just have like the utmost respect for, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I I've read you know of course I you know everyone knows I do research I read other interviews, 
Um, and, and a lot has been made of your singer Sherry's vocals and, and this kind of a stylistic shift between the two albums. Um, and what I hear is maybe, you know, you've mentioned that she comes from a band that's described maybe as a noise punk, noise rock band. Um, to me, it sounds like maybe just like more of an old school thrash death or crossover approach to the vocals. It doesn't sound out of place, but could you maybe, I, I, I got this from the Dreams of Consciousness interview, I believe, that the was it Tetragrammicide had a specific album that um, inspired you guys a little bit vocally? Uh, yeah, and uh, I would say like that. You know, that band is uh, for me. They were like one of like they're like you know when you're when you're writing an album, sometimes you have like certain albums that you've just been like listening to a lot. You know, while you're writing an album, um, and like they put out this album 2017 called Primal Incinerator: The Moral Matrix. And that album, uh, I mean, I was personally listening to that a lot. I remember just, you know, I'd be driving Sherry home from practice and like the vocals would sound blown out and we were both like, they need to sound like that. Because I think that like, not to knock like the first album, but like, I think that like Sherry wasn't totally stoked on like her vocal sounding kind of like, you know, sounding like overly drenched in reverb, you know? Um, and I think that like what she wanted to do was kind of like do something that's like maybe a little bit closer to what she did in Pig DNA, where her vocals sound a little more blown out. And so that's kind of like the approach we went for. Okay, fair enough, man. I just thought that was interesting. Um, and you know, it, it's like for you know for people to um, to focus on the vocals from the first album or second album being different. Uh, you know, I think they, they both are, uh, like, maybe a, a fresh perspective on vocals because everything is so brutal and, and guttural now, which obviously I like. But like I said, it's not a, such a far cry from the old school and when you get into bands like Possessed or Nocturnus or someone like that, you know? Yeah, totally. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's just kind of, you know, one of those things where, like, <clears throat> it, like, I don't really see like why Sherry's vocals like wouldn't be a fit. It's kind of like one of those things where it's almost like we're just kind of. I feel like some people like think they were just kind of like recklessly throwing elements elements together, but it's kind of like those things where it's like, like why doesn't like this fit? Because I mean, to me, like, like Sherry's vocals just kind of sound like, you know, like a grind vocalist. So it doesn't mm -hmm. sound completely out of place with what we're doing. You know. Um, yeah, uh, especially on the new album, it gives it that more like like uh, traditional grindcore um, sound. Uh, the vocals combining with some of those riffs, I, I would say. Um, and now here's the kind of like elephant in the room question. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, women in extreme music. Let you know, let's get it out out in the open. There, it's obviously something that's way more common nowadays. Um, but have you ever experienced? Uh, any, like, shall we say, pushback, any ignorance, um, any problems with anybody because of that? Uh, is it is it a different, a different experience for you in any way um, or anything like that? You know, not really. Uh, I think that, like, if anything, like, I mean, and not to, like, throw certain interviewers under the bus, I think that, like, if anything, like, I've seen Sherry kind of, like, be I, like almost like babied by people where she's just like we'll be at shows and shit and people be like like you know asking like is it difficult to be like a woman in metal <laughs> and, and and sherry's like wearing a fucking gorgasm shirt and she's yeah. like no nah, you know and like 
she's like, no, I'm, I'm chilling. And they're like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, dude. And so it's, it's just kind of funny. Cause like, I think that people kind of like try overly hard to be like an ally to her. And she's like, I don't need you to be an ally to me. So okay. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny to just like, to like view that from like my perspective. Cause I'm just, you know, I'm a dude. So like, I obviously don't have to deal with that, but to watch her deal with that is, you know, kind of funny. Fair, fair enough, man. And you know that's 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 why I ask because you guys, uh, you know, obviously I use the term the guys the, the way we do in, in conversation. But you you are, you you know you and your bandmates, you in the promotion and in the way the band's presented. Obviously, it just seems like a bunch of people playing music. Um, you know, there's more commercial bands where gender is pushed to the front, and if there's one member that's different from the others, that's made a, a big deal of. But that's why I wanted to get your perspective on that because you know, again. There's certain bands uh, where it's just, you know, it's just a pack of musicians. It doesn't matter who's who. And there's other bands where identity is a little bit more um, used uh, to promote the band. So, and obviously that's not something that Succumb is playing up. So I just wanted to ask that. That's kind of funny, though, the way you put that, man. Yeah, no, it's it's totally true, man. Like, it's, I feel like it's kind of funny because, like, when I'm, like, in, like, riff writing mode, like, I almost kind of forget that, like, you know, I feel like people, like, place so much importance on the fact that like you know we have a female vocals but i almost kind of like forget it when i'm like writing riffs because i'll just be like writing a, a riff that's just like you know like very almost like malignancy sounding and um there's a couple riffs on this new on xxi that i just call a malignancy riff and like but like you would think that there'd be like a guttural vocalist kind of like playing over that riff but like you know it we still have Sherry just in doing her thing and like she fucking kills it every time. So it is like what you said. It's just like a collection of musicians and we just kind of do our thing, you know? It's not really a yeah. matter of like, you know, who's who, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And I would just, on, on one note, just because you said guttural, um, I w- I've, because I've, I've had conversations, I had a conversation, I'm not going to blow up her spot, but I had a conversation with another um, woman who's a death metal vocalist about this in the past and it's come up on the convers- on the, the podcast I think I think maybe when I, when we interviewed um, uh, uh, Sharon from Derkada, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, just the idea you can't gender the brutality or the guttural um, quality of, of vocals because there's some women that could guttural me under the table. You know what I mean? So it's all just a matter of stylistic uh, uh, choice, man. It's all you know, it's all good, man. But yeah, I, I'm just just wanted to put that out there too. Yeah, man. You know, it's. Uh... It's just fucking, <laughs> it sounds corny, I was about to say, like, you know, man, like, violence is violence, but, you know, it's just fucking, you know, we're just doing our thing, and, like, you know, she just, like, brings what she does to the table, and, you know, I just, I just think it's great, and, you know, I think that, like, man, I think that, like, a lot of these times in interviews, I just totally play up, like, how much of an influence, like, the New York metal scene has, like, on what I do, because I just, like, mentioned malignancy, but, like, another band that kind of has, like, an influence on succumb for me personally um is defeatist and um hmm. wow i think that like, like you know sherry's vocals kind of don't sound like too dissimilar to like what that guy's doing and so like i don't really kind of view any like her vocals as being like totally left field you know okay defeatist that is a deep cut oh i like that <laughs> i like i like that man that's awesome hey shout out to defeatist yeah, I, man I, I yeah, I, I had the opportunity to to see um, them live. My memory is, of course, fuzzy. I believe Biolich might have performed with them 
uh, once or twice. But but uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. Defeatist. I just love when someone brings up a New York band um, that's not one that comes up every day. That's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, they're they're great. I I, I wonder what happened to them, because like the drummer was a fucking freak, man. Yeah, man. This is. I wish I had Dan Olivencia or somebody from Queens uh, here right now, because I'm I'm kind of drawing a blank on some on some of those guys and what they might be up to now, man. But that's cool. I got to look into that, man. Um, yeah. Totally. All, right, all right, but but yeah, but getting back to you, and yeah, not to make so much of um uh, of uh, whoever anyone in your band happens to be, but um you know moving on from that, something that I did also notice is that your album was produced by Jack Shirley, um, Atomic Garden Studio, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you, you know, in, in the Dreams of Consciousness podcast, you talked about that, and you talked about working with Jack, who's, uh, he's you know, I, I think maybe one of his big claims to fame might be um, working with Def Heaven, amongst uh, many other bands. Um, and uh, something that I did want to get into, though, is that he actually moved his studio from Mountain View, California, to East Oakland, California, between the recording of the two albums, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so here's my question. I've recorded in a few different studios, and I've record. I've I've been in positions where the producer moved between you know sessions or or between albums. Let's compare and contrast the two areas for like you know I don't know restaurants, uh, access <laughs> accessibility, um, the actual buildings, you know, the hangout spots, man. Like 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 con- compare and contrast the experience because I'm kind of interested in that, and I want to get into that a little bit. Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, like, well, Mountain View is just kind of like, it's like, it's like a little north of San Jose and a little south of San Francisco. So it's kind of like a little in-between area, you know, um, but that area was, um, you know, kind of just like often like an industrial part of, of the town. Uh, we're talking about like hangout spots. I mean, you know, we were just. You know, we were just kind of, we, we stayed at a hotel there, and we were just chilling, watching Fast and the Furious and eating the griddles, you know, <laughs> the, the whole time. And wow. uh, so, you know, just getting that good, like, greasy riff juice going, you know, for the first one. Um, but uh, for the second one in East Oakland, um, that was kind of, like, a little more chill because, like, you know, I lived in it, like, it was, like, closer for us, so, like, at the end of the sessions, we could just go home instead of, like, having to, like, be in a hotel or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, East Oakland, you know, there's, like, no shortage of, like, good soul food restaurants out there, so we were just, you know, eating, like, chicken fried steak and, like, you know, playing death metal riffs and, you know, fun shit like that, you know? Wow, you're making me hungry, dude, with all this talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. All right, cool, man. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get a feel for that, maybe, man. Uh, you know, I, I, I miss California, um, miss being out there in the in the different areas. Now, speaking of the different areas, um, you know, I, I know different things are opening up. We're starting to have a lot more shows out here on the East Coast. How are things in your area for shows, and what are you guys doing? Well, it's you know, we actually just played our first show um, in two years, man. Uh, we, wow. we played our first show. Um, you know, uh, this past Tuesday, um, in Albany, which is like a little bit north of Berkeley. And, um, we played with, um, Zoth from Seattle and they're like a tech thrash band. And, um, it was really cool because like, you know, we played with them last time we were in Seattle. So it was like 
fun to meet up to like link up with those guys again. And um, you know, I'm pretty I'm sure that like, it's probably the same out here in New York for you guys, but it's like, you know, there's like this you know, atmosphere of people just like wanting to just get out, you know. because um, we were playing we were playing on a fucking Tuesday and it was like very well attended. We sold a shitload of merch and it was just like it was like really cool to have like, you know, your first you know, foray back into like the live experience be, you know, like like that again. And even before that, you know, uh, as like a little like birthday kind of party thing for uh, for our bassist Kirk, we went to a Psycho Las Vegas, um, and that was fun just because you know we just got to see like a lot of great bands, like, you know, like Broken Hope and Dying Fetus and Devourment, and wow, stuff like you know. And, uh, and you know, not only that, but, you know, sipping, you know, just like, you know, big ass Las Vegas margaritas while you're doing it, you know, and it was <laughs> a good time. And, you know, it was, it was really cool because, you know, I feel like, you know, most of the time when you go to like big festivals, there's always going to be like an element of just kind of people acting out of pocket and being stupid. But, um, you definitely got the atmosphere that, you know, people were just like stoked to be out again, you know? And, um. It was like everybody was kind of like partying, but also like on their best behavior. It's kind of funny, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's human, man. It's not just metalheads. People want to go to baseball games. People want to go to uh, old ladies. Want to go to antique parties. You know, everybody wants to do their thing again, man. So it's yeah. not, you know, I I get it. I get it. Yeah, dude. But, yeah, I was. Uh, you know, it was it was definitely you know a good return to form, being able to you know, crowd surf the baby killer for after being inside for a year straight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. So, well, so now, t- now talking about, um, you know, coming back from, uh, uh the, co- the COVID, um, lockdown, having shows again, something else that's going on, I believe in your region, uh, that you guys are recovering from. And, and it kind of put it in perspective a little bit for me during the research. I read an interview that your singer Sherry did where she described, the air quality problems due to the wildfires. Oh yeah, man. I mean, it that the thing is like with that, it kind of like quickly dissipates like the air quality problems. But like you know, there's been times where like, uh, you know, like like I I I'm, I don't know if you saw it on the news, but like uh, like about a year ago, there was like the wildfires were so bad that it completely like blotted out the sun for a couple days. Mm. And so like, I remember it's like, you know, waking up one morning and it was like, it's like 11 AM and like, it looks like it's like midnight. It's like, it's completely like pitch black outside. And it's just, it was just creepy. And it was just like, you know, like there's like ash kind of like raining from the sky. And not only that, but there's like, you know, us Californians were obsessed with being sexy and everything. And there's people still like going on the jogs and stuff. And I'm like, dude, are you fucking stupid? Like, you're just like breathing in straight ash. Mm. And so, uh, that kind of creates like a little bit of like, you know, an apocalyptic atmosphere that, you know, adds to, uh, the tone of what we do, you know, knowing that, uh, our shit's constantly on fire. I think even on the Puron tour, there was like a wildfire going on that we might have like narrowly dodged, you know. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I, um, there's hmm, a completely different, um, uh, topic issue, but you talk about being on tour or something going on. You, you brought me back when 
I, I believe I think we might be going all the way back to 2014, maybe 2015. But when Artificial Brain and Pieron were on tour, uh, I believe we were somewhere in Colorado. What's that? Was that the tour with Gigan? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that shit. That was sick, man. Yeah. Anyways. No, yeah, yeah. Great times, man. Great times. Um, still got the big poster on my wall. But um, uh, I mean, we were in Colorado, I believe, when like the, the news started breaking of a big Ebola outbreak that I think was like located in Texas or down south somewhere. And, you know, we were all, you know, it was our first major national tour. And, and we were, we, I, you know, it's looking back now, we kind of figured what was going to happen with the coronavirus was going to happen then with, with Ebola. And we were going to have to go home and hopefully try to get home. But, the, you know, the Ebola thing didn't break out like that that year, man. It's, it's, it's crazy to look back and think about it, though. Yeah, it's, it's insane, you know. And I, you know, I felt like, yeah, when the coronavirus thing happened, I just, like, felt bad for the, <clears throat> for the bands that were, like, on tour already. They kind of tried like risking it, and they were just kind of like marooned on tour. Like I remember specific. Oh, hey, Derek. One example of pops to mind. I remember that defeated Sanity like tried doing a U.S. tour, and then they were like stuck in the states for a little bit because like everything like locked down while they were in the states. Oof. And I was like, God, that's, that sounds like my fucking nightmare. <laughs> just being like stuck in another country during a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're from Europe and you're stuck in the United States, <laughs> that's. Uh -huh. Hell no, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I I apologize on behalf of them as an American. Yeah. But but um, wow, man. So uh, you know, like, like I said, you know, you mentioned getting back out there. Do you have anything um planned? Do you have any tours coming up or any like big festival appearances you might want to plug or talk about? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think we just have like we don't have any like full tours planned. I mean, we're trying. We're we're talking to. Um, you know, some boys from Jersey, you know, uh -oh. who will not be named, but like we're trying to do an East Coast tour uh, next year with some with some Jersey guys. You got to uh, yeah, watch out when you talk to Jersey guys. All right. I don't know. I don't know who you're talking to, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, right now, I think like, you know, next next weekend, we're going to be doing like a kind of like a little like mini fest that's uh, in Seattle. It's being headlined by Primitive Man. Okay. And, uh, so that should be cool. And then, um, you know, we're going to play in L.A. with uh, Blood Incantation in January. And, you know, that's going to be great, you know. And then uh, and then we're playing uh, Northwest Terror Fest in May of next year. And so, you know, I'm stoked for that. So that's going to be a great lineup. So, yeah, I think that, like, right now we just have, like, a bunch of, like, little shows here and there, but nothing I would consider, like, a full tour that's completely set in stone yet, you know. Okay, fair enough. But those are all cool things you mentioned, and um, things that our listeners in those regions uh, can can look forward to. Man, and shout out to everybody, all my all my good friends in New Jersey. Man, I bust balls, but they're from New Jersey, so they understand. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah, all. It's, I, I I got at this point, I might have more friends in New Jersey than on Long Island. I don't know, man. It, yeah. uh, it all depends. But um, uh, Derek, I appreciate it, man. We appreciate your time. And uh, to be respectful of your time, as we always say on the show, I believe we've covered, we've brought us, brought you uh, the listeners up to date um, with Succumb with the latest album XXI on. It's the Flenser is the name of the label, right? That's correct. Okay, I've mispronounced that before. I've said Flenser Records or something silly. It's you know, I sound like an old guy. I sound like a, like a <laughs> I sound like a boom, like a boomer. <laughs> 
All right, it's out on the Flenser XXI. Um, and, you know, before we let you off the hook, we always got to ask our guests, can you please recommend one newer album and one older album by any artist you like? Uh, could be metal, could not be metal, just whatever. Um, one newer album? Well, I mean, the new Antediluvian that came out this year, The Divine Punishment, has been in pretty regular rotation for me. And then uh, another new album that I got to, you know, give a shout-out to... Um, uh, you know, you know, my San Jose homies, uh, socioclass. Uh, they're uh, <clears throat> they're like a grindcore band from San Jose. Got members of like Mortuous and In Disgust, and uh, you know they're fucking great. They kind of have like a little bit of a uh, you know like a uh, like it's like an Assault kind of vibe to them, and so uh, I think they're just like a fucking great band. Um, I think that like for like an older album that I've been listening to a lot, um, I'm gonna go with, uh, hmm, uh, uh, Ravager Nazgul Rising. It's like, uh, it's like this, uh, band that has Antimo from, uh, Disgorge. Huh. Uh, and it's like, it's just like, crazy like angel corpse deicide sounding shit but it's just like it's, it's just sick as fuck you know so uh, i think that's from like the early 2000s or something like that but yeah that's a an album i've been jamming a lot too wow yeah a uh, friend of the show paulo paguntalan always keeping me up to date on antimo's various uh bands and projects um man yeah. he's yeah he's he's another one we got to reach out to man um uh, oh the, yeah Paulo. uh you know, I, I love that guy. Like, I've been talking. I mean, I've gotten so many recommendations from him since I was a teenager because I'm sure you've heard about you know this form. But like, I, you know, I was like on the SMN forums, you know, back in like the heyday of like. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, man. And so like, I like so many, so many like I've gotten I've gotten a million fucking recommendations courtesy of Paul. So shouts out to him, man. You know. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, he always kept me up to date on what Antimo was doing um, besides Disgorge, man. So that that's a really cool record. What was it again? Uh, it's called uh, Nazgul Rising by uh, Ravager. Ravager's the name of the band. <laughs> cool, man. All right. That's one I, I might not even be up on yet, man. Sick, man. I remember Blood Reaping. I have the two Blood Reaping albums. And then Paul... Oh, yeah. Paul... Man, that Blood Reaping's sick, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, fair enough, man, Antimo. Um... Uh, so Derek Webster of Succumb, uh, just any any final parting words? Anything um, I might have neglected to plug or to promote for the band, um, or any uh, parting words for fans of your band and listeners of our show? Uh, man. Um, well, you've you've uh, pretty much like got everything in terms of like shit that I want to plug. I mean, uh, that's my job. That's good. Yeah, man. <laughs> Um, I guess I'll just like a couple other bands I'll plug, you know, Diabolic Oath from Portland, gotta plug them. Um, like I said, socioclasts, you know, shouts out to them. And um I don't know. Kill posers, I guess. You know, man. <laughs> all Even right, man. Bay Area style, man. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no doubt, man. Um yeah, well that 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 bay that that you know you say bay area man um i'm so, like we're, we were like done with the interview we're closed out now i had you say your parting words and i gotta throw one more cheap question in there i apologize but yeah uh 
Bay Area, you know, we, especially us who aren't from the region, you say Bay Area, the people think Bay Area thrash, the classic bands, that sort of thing. Is that sort of like a stigma that you try to cast off? Is it something you wear with pride, but you also try to differentiate from? Like, how does that hang over your head? I mean, I kind of like, I mean, I, I love that shit, man. I think that just like, I think it's so cool that like such a fucking, you know, influential type of music came from the Bay Area and like, you know, I think that like, like the thing I love about the Bay Area is just like, they, it's like the Bay Area just like, in terms of like metal, just like produced so many great bands, you know, rain, it's just like, you know, I talk, I was like, you know, talking about like, you know, separate, like, like unique leader earlier, um, like that kind of thing. Um, and just like, you know, like the black metal, the, our history with like black metal, like mastery and weakling and more current bands like spirit possession and stuff like that. I think that just like the Bay Area is a rich history that, you know, I don't really feel any need to be like shaking off the shadow of thrash metal on us because <laughs> there's so many great things that come out of the Bay Area, you know. Awesome. All right, awesome answer. And th- thank you for indulging me that last one. We said kill posers in Bay Area just popped into my head. I got to get a um, uh, a, na- <laughs> a natural take on that because I'm over here. We just had we just had the tour come through with um uh, uh what was it Exodus and Testament and everybody um uh, uh oh yeah man. yeah yeah man. So but um regardless of that man, uh, shout out to California, shout out to the West Coast. I can't wait to get back there. And shout out to you, Derek Webster of Succumb. Thank you for your time, sir. Hey man, thanks for having me. All right, thank you very much to Derek Webster of Succumb for answering uh, all my questions, including the last one that I just weaseled in there, man. I was a little, got a little sneaky, a little bonus question there at the end, man, when he was getting ready to hang up the phone. Oh, yeah? He was, like, hanging up the phone, and he heard me yelling, like, yo, 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 I got one more. <laughs> yeah, it was, but he, yeah, he gave me his little take on the Bay Area thing. It was good. So, uh, appreciate that, man. Succumb, you can check out XXI as the album. Check them out. They got a couple of gigs, uh, you know, popping off in the next uh, uh, year. Hopefully, they're going to fill out that calendar. Um, great band coming out from the Bay Area, man. Um, Tom. Yes. There was one thing I forgot to tell you at the top. You asked about my weekend. Yeah, I did. Um, I had a little bounce in my step when I walked into the luxurious Heavy Hole Podcast Studios here in Barbados today. Yes. Black on black, Fila Dad shoes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I went, yeah. I went black on black, sneakers, Adam Rotella's, I call them. Very nice. Like, you know, they got the Jordans. I got the Rotellas. When, I, when you got like, when it's like low cut, black on black dad shoe, you got the Rotellas. Yeah, you tell know. it how it is. Yeah, man. I'm just, I'm stomping on them out here. Yeah. So I know. I just want to shout that out to listeners. I know they like to keep abreast of when I do my dad shoe uh, rotations. Uh, I got some new bowels up there on the box ready. It's got purpose. For next season. Yeah. Yeah. These are the slip, like, check out the bottom. These are the slip resistant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm overweight. I, you know what I mean? Some, I don't want to look goofy out here. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> yeah. As the shows open up, sometimes people spill beer. You know, I don't want It's not a slip and slide out here. Right. Yeah. yeah. You really treat it like an industry. You yeah. Get the, out there and don't be falling around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, um, uh, 
the evocative poetic imagery of a walrus as it cascades across the ice uh, is great for National Geographic, but not for Heavy Hole Podcast host Big Will. That's all I'm trying to get across. But something that is great for Heavy Hole Podcast Big Will are Patreon pledges. So loyal. Very loyal. Um, so inquisitive. Yeah. Uh, we had a message come in. Usually we don't read the private messages, but I thought this was a good one to get out there. It's a fun, fun topic. Private? I mean, I, all right. So forgive me, Eric, if this Ooh. is, uh, maybe this wasn't intended for the public. <laughs> public consumption. No, nah, I'm sure I'm sure it's good. So, uh, Eric, thanks for sending this in. Hey, I have a question for Big Will. Do you have any recommendations for a portable cassette player to use in the car? My vehicle doesn't have a cassette deck, and most of the players that have blue... Bluetooth have bad reviews online. Just curious if you have, if he had any tips. Wow, I I love the question. I'm a little unprepared for it. Um, cause I'm very, it, like, see, here's here's like, it's kind of like a little catch twenty two in the in my um, uh, uh, my low tech you know lifestyle, caveman lifestyle, my you know. Vehicles with cassette, natural cassette decks that come with the vehicle are kind of phased out. Right. You know, it's like I've had a few of them. At this point, my last, you know, my my current vehicle and my last one had a CD player. Right. The idea now getting the adapter, like he mentioned Bluetooth. I know he said he didn't get the Bluetooth, but like getting an adapter and getting into all that. Like for a while, the thing was in like the late um, 2000s, like 08, 09, 10. They had those little AM, FM. The transmitters, transmitters. Yeah, those are terrible. I mean, well, but 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 I used several of them. Yeah, like I, I had to. They they you know they they did the trick or whatever before aux cables became a big thing. Right, because there weren't aux cable uh, inputs on most of your boxes. That was the trick. So they had to like come up with a so like the early maybe some of the younger people don't even realize that like the early when you had an iPod the like the first generation iPod you had to buy a little. Like FM transistor, the size of your thumb that would plug into the audio, uh, the aux, you know, thing, and and it would transmit into like a dead station on your FM radio. Yeah, it was like a little little projection that only lasted, you know, about twelve feet or so. So, I feel like I'm explaining kick the can or something. Like I feel like I'm talking about the first like the first Thanksgiving or something. Like this is crazy. I mean, I've you know I've had a couple of those. The last one I had was in a a '98 Buick. Saber, uh, that's that's kind of the the taste. That yeah, that's that the vibe. Get. That's the yeah. vibe. And I also remember back in the day um, when I had a uh, the last vehicle that I had that had a built-in tape deck was I think it was a 2004 minivan. We used to roll around in with Buckshot and Biolich in like the the, the 2000s and 2000 you know late 2000s or whatever there. And um, I remember specifically in my neighborhood leaving tapes. On the dashboard, because then to avoid people breaking in, in some fashion, like well, to yeah, because there's obviously not a good sound system. There's no people would break in and steal CDs. They would steal books of CDs back in the day. This is you know pre-internet really taking over the music industry. I remember a friend of mine got his window broken at Suffolk Community College in Brentwood, and they took his book of CDs. Damn. That was like that's '90s. That's shit. heartbreaking. That's yeah. '90s shit. Yeah, and imagine that was before you could listen. Anyway, that's a whole tangent, but just bringing back the memories here from from the. Um, uh, but to, to get to get back to your, your like your op, what your options might be. I mean, if I wanted to do that, what I would do now days with the technology, like that, and that's that's getting back to me being low tech. So I settle 
on the built-in CD player that, that my Jeep has now. Right. Because getting an adapter is like more technology in a weird way. You know what I mean? So, yeah, less moving parts is better. I mean, I could imagine a Bluetooth cassette player being terrible. Mm, well, I've, I've, I, what I never did, but I pictured doing, was getting you know a portable you know a cassette Walkman like you'd have in the day, and just right. you putting an aux cable in. Right. That would be the best move. For I sure. believe. I would yeah. imagine so, man. And if you could find a way, some of those portable Walkman cassette players, uh, they have an AC adapter that you could plug into the wall too, so you don't run out of battery. I would, if you could find one where it has like a cigarette lighter adapter or a USB, whatever you could do to keep it juiced up. Yeah. That now you're really cooking because you don't got to worry about switching the batteries. That's true. Yeah. I, mean, I changed my radio in my Jeep uh, right when I got the thing. It's kind of a pain in the ass. It depends on how. How crafty you are, but you can get if you want to do a whole replacement yourself. It's possible. There are units out there with the cassette player. You could throw it in your car. Yeah, uh, depending yeah. on the car, it might be a pain in the ass. I don't know. I have a, my Jeep is pretty pretty. E- it's like a potato head car, so it's probably on the easier end of the spectrum. I'm very yeah, you know. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a replacing all the radios and switching out the systems and speakers guy. I get very. I've had problems with with uh, the electric systems and cars and mechanics going back and forth, all that stuff before. So I, I, you know, but I see what this guy's talking about. Yeah, Bluetooth. I don't know the FM transistor things. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. They're out there, but they. I, I've never liked those things. They just it, don't. It's like tuning in what you want to listen to on a bad station. Right, and that's that's only to get. You would still need a cassette player to make that work. Yeah, I, I mean to get an actual portable cassette deck. They're they're actually pretty hard to come by. I found in the thrift stores and flea markets. You'd keep your eye out on those. But I mean, if you go on eBay, you're bound to find find something. Um, or you know, look it up. There's bound to be. There's got to be some place you could buy them uh, refurbished, maybe or or whatever. Uh, or even get a little old, you know, smaller style boombox. Or or at this point, if you're talking about plugging it into an aux cable, you could probably just get one of those. Uh, like the psychiatrists or the, the the lawyers used to have, you know what I mean? Like the uh, kind of flat tape deck, like they see, in, like you see in Law and Order, <laughs> the old episodes of Law and Order or something. I don't know. The I mean, playback quality is probably the finest on those. Well, no. Here's the thing, though, because this is what I found, Tom. I, I had a little dinky old um, portable radio that had a laughable speaker that you could get nothing out of, but it had tape deck. Once you plug the wire into the aux cable, if the tape mechanism is going is, is working and the magnet is in there and it's working, you're good to go. Because yeah. you're because the whole thing is the reason why it's such a dinky thing is the speaker. Right. See what I'm saying? Like it's no, I I, under, I understand what you. No, you're I'm, I'm yeah, just yeah. explaining for our listeners. If may, maybe they're up they're up in the attic or the basement and grandma or grandpa had one and it still works. Um, yeah, the if it plays a cassette, even if it's a dinky little, you know. You know, kids' toy or, or like a legal recorder or something. The reason why it sounds like shit is because of the, the, the dinky little speaker. So if you plug an aux cable into it, you might still be able to get pretty good playback out of it if you're plugging it into your car's system. You know, very so I, true. I, I would say try to find something that you could just go straight aux cable nowadays. That's probably the easiest way to go. Yeah, definitely, definitely get rid of uh, Bluetooth. Is questionable. They just slap Bluetooth into anything right now. Looking at a Bluetooth cassette player on kickstarter as we speak it's okay bluetooth 5.0 cassette player let's see if this thing is it's available now for purchase i'm just curious 688 hong kong dollars what the hell is that all right this is a tangent i'm gonna consult my lawyer i don't know where you're going with this i'm just looking around 
either way. What, um, are you on? Are you, is this the dark web? What are you doing? <laughs> I, I don't. I've heard of this. Never seen that that corner of the internet before. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard of things like this. It's where I keep all my bitcoins. Yeah, I, I'm still on AOL death metal chat room. All right, <laughs> all right uh, Eric. Thanks for writing in. If anyone has a option that they'd like to share with Eric, just True. reach out to us. We'll read it on the show. Yeah, unless it's like, oh, here's an option. Get uh, Spotify, dork. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. You know. You're weird. Why don't you just use Spotify? Why are you a weirdo? We probably wouldn't read that. Yeah, that's so, uh, that's weird. Why fun? It's it's easy. Spotify's <laughs> easy though. It's just don't be weird. It's easy. They have death metal on Spotify. Don't be weird. Yeah, I go to the death metal playlist and I go play yeah. please, and it plays Lamb of God. Yeah, and it's like uh, why don't you like that? Are you yeah, weird? Boy. You don't like Lamb of God on Spotify? <laughs> Weirdo. Your mix for today. I don't know why. Spotify always tells me to listen to Michelle Obama's podcast. (laughs) Not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to touch that. Yeah. All right. Let's move along. We had uh, one more. We had a comment on the Patreon I wanted to address. My record player where I play my Broken Hope 7-inch never tells me to listen to anyone's podcast. (laughs) Not even this one. The way it should be. Okay, so Brian Hunt writes to us on the bonus episode. Uh the one you did with Adam Rotello last week. Do we consider 28 Days Later a zombie movie? Regardless, I think that movie is awesome. It has incredible atmosphere, and the human emotion and situations feel too real at certain points. Mm. Freaked me out when I was younger and disturbed me in a different way when watching it when I was older. Good, I, good question. I'm inclined to agree uh, with his praise of the movie I, and it was 28 days later and 28 weeks later right yeah the sequel yeah I, I it's been a while but i definitely remember watching both of them in succession one weekend uh a, a few years ago i i enjoy the movies great movies hot take they're somewhere in the peripheral adjacent territory that hovers around zombie um uh lore same as my probably one of my all-time favorite franchises, um, Demani, the Italian and Night of the Demons, its sequel. Yeah, that- yeah. Not, not. By the way, I've also recently realized I'm probably this is probably a duh thing for horror movie guys. Jeff Sassone is over there tapping me on the head, going duh. But there's a Night of the Demons that's not the Italian sequel to Demani. There's a Night of the Demons that's like some other horror movie. Oh, that's a fun one. That's that, that's a that's like a teen demon movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm a little. Yeah, well, I just want to make that distinction because I talk about. Demons and Night of the Demons a lot. I'm talking about the two Italian right. flicks. But regardless, yeah, like like those movies and 28 Days Later kind of hover around the same peripheral territory of zombie movies. Like, yeah, we all know it's basically it's basically a zombie movie. There's a disease. They turn into a manic feral thing. Yeah. They, they you know, you, you catch the disease, you become one. It's, you know, it's there. I like, I like the fact that that even brings that question up. I think that's kind of says a lot about the movie in general mm-hmm. um it to me it's a zombie movie did it break some conventions sure who cares it's a really good movie and it got you talking like this i, I overall it's a solid movie the idea follows about 90 percent of the lore the really the only thing it breaks is the um the daylight thing and the running fast outside of that it's still an infectious zombie thing so i think it's i think it kind of takes the cake also wasn't the remake of Dawn of the Dead all didn't it, that also have fast running zombies? 
Uh, it may have. It's been a while since I watched that one too, man. The um, I rewatched. Yeah, I rewatched. I watched the remake of Dawn of the Dead a few years ago. Day of the Dead, I have yet to watch. But uh, you know, I mean, the remake, the recent one. Um, I believe it might have, man. I think. I think you're right. But but I mean, the running zombies thing. That also goes back. Adam touched on the running zombie thing in our bonus episode. He, I think he quoted. He said Quentin Tarantino even acknowledges that. Oh my God! What was that's so? Was, I think City of the Walking Dead was the first with running zombies. So like, there's been a City case. City of the Walking Dead, the um, Lucio Fulci one. Was it Lucio Fulci? Yeah. Me and Adam and I had a conversation where Adam knew what he was talking about, and I pretended I did. Okay. On our bonus Halloween episode gotcha. that this man's referencing. Regardless, yeah, like I think the distinction here is like 28 days later. Like, like no one's questioning if it's a if it's a great movie or if it's worth the watch. But it's like, is it does it fall into that distinction? But so here's the thing. So when you say zombie. That's a pretty pretty specific term. It's like, you know, a dead person that's reanimated as a corpse. Right. Some sort of supernatural undead element, right? You know, or or not maybe in some movies it's not supernatural, like I've seen movies where they explain it. Big shout to Nick uh Cacioppo from um uh ex uh, the communion um author who uh, we interviewed a, a while ago. Yeah. Um on our episode, he uh suggested on the social media to watch Wormwood with a Y-W-Y-R-M Wood, uh, Australian movie, okay. which is a zombie film, but it, it also it plays with certain conceptions about zombies and, and, and like, I guess, the, the, the implied pseudoscience and biology of zombie movies. You know what I mean? Right. So I think the main thing, though, is that with 28 Days Later, you weren't talking about The Walking Dead. It was more of like a, uh, a viral outbreak type of movie that had the same results. Right. As a zombie movie, right? So yeah. it's like a technicality. Yeah, I guess so. I think that the huge distinction is always that, like, the fast running or not fast running. Mm. That, that seems mm. to be... Yeah. I, I, I'm no no way an authority on this. I don't really care myself, but it seems the, the more traditional zombie is always going to be the slow walking. And then it originated with supernatural stuff, uh, with voodoo culture, but... It's been co-opted by the whole scientific outbreak thing, and that didn't seem to bother anyone. There's no real debate there. But yeah, fast walking, slow walking, I don't personally care. Um, Go for it. I think it's a great zombie movie. That's what I I would say. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there just got to be a point where maybe Hollywood or, you you know, more modern directors... So, so, or writers said to themselves, like, we got to make them, they got to run. Because it's like, where else can we go with this? You know, maybe they ran out yeah. of certain ways to make them, you know, it's like a zombie is a zombie, right? You know, from yeah. Night of the Living Dead on, there's a million movies, but what can you, you know, you, you, there's only so many ways you can play with it. Um, uh, the way to play with it is really the setting and the and the, and, and the non-zombie characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's, everything happening you know, around. Like, and, Night, and then Walking Dead kind of has played that out. You know, so it's like... Oh, yeah, soap opera on wheels. Yeah, so Adam and I had a whole conversation. But, but um, regardless, for people who might want to go back to who, who go back to the Halloween bonus with Adam. But, but yeah, well, I totally get making the distinction running zombies. It makes total sense to me, man. Um, because and, and, and demons, too. It's like it makes more sense that these people would be possessed by demons because they're kind of running. They're more violent. Like a zombie if it's just a reanimated corpse that's kind of moving you would cuz it's like, like dude yeah dead by it's like stiff it's not you're not you're not, not going to get that if you're suspending your disbelief as a listener as a viewer i should say 
Um, don't suspend your disbelief as a listener of this podcast. It's all real, our conversation. But uh, if you're if you're suspending your disbelief as a viewer of these zombie movies enough to believe that this is like a reanimated dead corpse, once they start like walking around, it's like, what's next? They're gonna start dancing. You know what I mean? Like, come on, they're gonna drive a car. Like, you it's know, thriller, it's, man. It's like you're 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 pushing the limits of how people can suspend their disbelief. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of yeah. getting. Thriller was the. I mean, yeah. Like eventually we're gonna get there, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, who knows? Uh, Train to Busan, another good fast acting. I've been meaning zombie. to watch that. Solid movie. Okay. Solid movie. Fair enough. There's been a few spin-off things. I watched an animated thing, and I couldn't, I couldn't get through the first like ten minutes of it because the frame rate was really weird. It was like giving me a headache. So uh, whatever that animated, I think it's like, uh, who cares? Uh, Train to Busan was a great movie. Watch that. I watched um, Snowpiercer recently, and I feel like I fucked up and watched the wrong train movie. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, but uh, regardless, uh, don't listen to Train unless you really love it. <laughs> oh, man. We're, oh, God. We brought it back to Train. Jason, they're still out there, too, my old right? Bo- my old boss produced them. Quick reminder, though, if you like that little horror movie banter, we it, it's referencing um, our damn near two-hour Halloween bonus with none other than the gore noise master himself, Adam Rotella. You can go back and check that out. Uh, you can also, if you're interested in Adam, you also go check out our uh, biographical in the whole episode with him from a while back. And we actually addressed him um, uh, right up front about using real gore artwork on his album covers uh, and we had a whole episode basically about real gore album covers it was the first time we spoke with him yeah but, yeah yeah it was a interesting first meeting of the guy yeah well um, for you and, for and you guys yeah you know, he's like fam you know he yeah my mom used to cook burgers and we watched texas chainsaw massacre it was great we're keeping it fresh <laughs> it's always about the meet and greets yeah i'm keeping it fresh i'm trying to look good i got that pyrexia video shoot today uh, which, if you're hearing this on Friday, it was a few days ago, man. But shout out to the boys in Pyrexia. You know, they got that new album. You can go back and listen to all of our episodes of Christmas Seal. Um, and you can go to our Patreon if you want to ask little questions like these guys did. Or if you want the bonus episodes and all that sort of thing, man. Yeah, go to patreon.com slash heavyholepodcast. And why don't you give us a call if you, you know if you want to, if you're getting something off your chest, if you want to share something, if you hate something we said, uh, maybe you're just Italian, why don't you oh. call... The voicemail line, 631-837-3274, and let us know about it. I like that. I like that. I miss uh, Tone. Tony yeah. and uh, uh, Vinny. They did, they haven't been checking in. I hope everything's all right out there. Uh, they're probably fine. Yeah. Maybe just laying low. The school season start. Maybe they're coaching a team or something. I know those guys, you know, they like to keep the youth motivated. Family men. Yeah, family guys like right. that. Shout to Derek Webster and his family of uh, bandmates in Succumb. Bay Area death metal band that we're, uh, we got our eyes on. XXI is the album out now on the Flenser. Uh, the f- record oh, label. It's, it's, I called it Flenser Record once, and I sounded old. Like You, you got to just say it it's, to, it's uh, out on the Flenser. Yeah, you said it to uh, Luther Manhole yeah. from uh, Chat Pile, because they're also on the, 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 the now I'm going to fuck it up, the, the Flenser. Yeah, yeah. you, you, you want to say they're on the Flenser Records, but then you, you're, you're, you're a boomer. You got to be like, they're on the Flenser. All right. Uh, but it was made for a New York accent. I love that, man. That's true. All right. Anyway, Heavy Hole Podcast. We miss Justin. Um, can we give out Justin's like personal phone number and have like a campaign to get him back on the... Yeah. Uh, if you want Justin back on the show, uh, dial one. 